I have never skied before, and I recently decided to start learning. So I want to describe and share with you my experience at first learning to ski and how it relates to our work as adventure educators. So before we begin, I want to add a slight disclaimer, and that is that I enjoyed my experience learning how to ski, and I'm excited to learn how to ski more in the future. I think that's important to add because it will make sense when you hear some of the things I talk about that you may assume that I didn't enjoy it, but it was fun. So this was kind of an interesting experience for me to be placed into the position of complete newbie novice. My job is as a trainer of adventure programming. So very often I'm having to teach technical skills such as belaying, tying knots, climbing. And because I've been doing it for a while, I sometimes forget what it's like to be in the position or in the shoes of the learner. And I was placed in that position when I started to try to learn to ski. So a little bit of backstory. I live in Vermont. So the expectation is that you know how to ski, but I'm from England and specifically from the south of England that does not get much snow and the opportunity to learn to ski wasn't really there. I will also add that skiing is a very expensive pastime as many people listening to this may be aware of and I do not and have not ever had a surplus amount of funds to be able to do this. The reason I started learning is because my daughter is six, as I've mentioned many times in this podcast, and she has had the opportunity through her school to be able to learn how to ski. I've been putting this off for a while, as many of my colleagues know, and so now I felt a little bit of parental pressure. My daughter looking at me saying, Dada, please, can you learn to ski? Can you come skiing with me? So I decided, sure, I'm going to learn. So I want to address first why I was feeling nervous and anxious about wanting to learn. It wasn't necessarily about my physical ability. I'm pretty athletic. The issue truly was the social pressure and anxiety that I felt about being one of the only going to the mountain, only adults who didn't know how to ski. One of the only parents of kids in this area that didn't know how to ski. I didn't want to be placed into an environment where I, where I would feel less than. So I completely understand when people come to trainings and they don't have as much experience as other people, or maybe haven't ever, that they may feel nervous in those environments. But nevertheless, I decided to rent skis and go out to the mountain with my daughter and practice. Now, I don't know if this is the case of every mountain, because I have never skied before. But at the mountain that we went to, they had a, a magic carpet, which brought kids up to a, well, anyone really, any, up to a small slope to be able to practice, and then a larger hill to be able to practice if you want to go further distances. I hold educators or other people to a high standard, partly because this is my job. I know I'm teaching people in an environment that is emotionally very stressful. So... There are some lessons that I'm going to go through. I created a list of things. I'm going to take each one as we come, and I'm going to give my little takeaway as to why I think this is important for you to consider if you are ever teaching people skills. So if you have to teach people how to tie knots or put harnesses on or any of those things, I think that these things are really important. The first is having patience 
with the person that's learning and go at the pace that they're wanting to be able to go at. So how this relates to my experience is I went, I put the skis on and we were, you know, almost flat. It was the smallest percentage degree of slight hill. And I just started sliding backwards. I had never put skis on before. And this was such an alien experience to feel like I was shifting and had very little control. So I just kind of slid back, which would be funny for everyone around me, I'm sure. But certainly for me as the person who was just putting them on, I did not find that very um, funny. And also didn't find that a, a great way to start that I had immediate lack of control. Now, the response of the people around me who were not instructors, were just friends, was a little bit around a little bit of impatience. Oh, you'll you'll figure it out. You'll be fine. Just come with us. And so I kind of felt obligated to push myself into a position where I wasn't really feeling ready, and it made me very uncomfortable. The other part was they, other people around me wanted to progress, to move to the higher hill. And I was definitely not ready there. I was not ready um, skill-based. I wasn't ready emotionally. And so it put me in a really awkward, vulnerable position where I eventually, thankfully, committed to saying, no, you go ahead, you have fun. I'm going to stay here because I need to practice. So I did about 20 runs down this very short little hill, but I was just trying to figure out how to stop. So I certainly wasn't ready to move on, but others' impatience at my ability to learn made me feel pressured and it, you, I could just tell they just want they were bored bored by being at the slowest thing with me it was not a, a positive learning environment to be put into that position so something that this really aligns with is harnesses putting on harnesses if you ask everyone to follow along with you so you put the harness on and just say follow along what I tend to find is there's those people who are really adept at being able to put them on who will just race ahead then there's going to be those people who are really far behind and those people who feel who are really far behind are going to look up and notice they're behind and start to feel bad. What I tend to do is demonstrate putting them on and then say, here's a harness, work at your own pace, help each other out. If you finish up ahead of someone else, then you assist someone else. That way they haven't got the attention on having to try to keep up. They can work at their own pace and it's up to them and it's fine. I will check them and I will assist where needed to try to help them out. But there's no expectation they need to be getting them on super fast. Same goes for belay training. Some people will be able to pick up stuff very quickly. Same with knot tying. In fact, all skill acquisition, right? Someone will pick it up quick. Some people need more time. And as a trainer, as an educator, it's our job to ensure that people work at the pace that they're able to. Because if they don't, they'll probably have the experience that I was having, which was like, I can't wait to get out of here. This is not fun for me. I just feel all this pressure. The second is detail. At some point when I was on my own at this stage, there were other people around me, adults learning too, which was nice. There was a a staff member who worked at the mountain who happened to notice that I was struggling and just came up and asked me if if they could help. And I immediately knew that this person was a skilled instructor and skilled educator because they talked about me learning at my own pace. Don't worry, this will take time. Everyone starts slow. They even used the phrase, which I really liked, this will be the worst day that you've ever gone skiing. So every day from this will get better. It's true as long as you, I guess, don't have an incident. In terms of learning, I'm sure that's the case. But then they went into real good detail about 
feet placement, toe placement, knee placement, hip placement. The detail was so good that I was able to adapt my body and it actually progressed me faster. And the relationship I can find to our work is that of tying knots. There is a way that I tie a double figure eight loop, a super eight, that is wildly different than how I teach it. And the reason for that is the way that I learned it originally is very challenging to try to describe to someone. It's often like the follow along, you know, see, just do this. And, and people's hands just don't work that way. So when I teach the super eight, I break it up into parts. I teach the eight. I teach the eight on a bite. I then transform that into a super eight. Each point has a pause point and it's very detailed and it takes longer at the start, but it's quicker in the long, in the long term in order for someone to learn. Once my instruction is detailed, they're able to pick it up quicker and they won't have to keep practicing. The same was from that perspective. I was struggling a few runs. This person gave me some really good detail and I progressed quicker. So detail is really important. So I'm going to quickly interrupt myself to give a shout out to Bill, who is the instructor I just referenced, who is a supervisor at Stratton's Junior Mountain Sports School. He's been there for 37 seasons. You can tell that he loves what he does. I saw him again at the mountain today. Attention to detail, real great patience, incredible customer service. If you ever go to Stratton Mountain and you see Bill, just say thank you. And uh, thank you, Bill. So before we get on to a couple more of my learnings from my ski experience, I want to just quickly mention that High Five Adventure Learning Center, the organization that I work for, is currently seeking a motivated individual who is willing to learn and develop new skills to become part of our Challenge Course Services Department. Their roles will be assisting in the installation, inspection, maintenance, and repairs of challenge course projects throughout the Northeast and beyond. In this position, you'll be taught a variety of skills, which will include cable work, carpentry, work at height, safety systems, and adventure education theory. An installer at High Five works in parallel with our program staff and our trainers, such as myself, to create incredible adventure programs. This particular position is specifically designed to help you grow your skills and eventually advance to a lead installer at High Five. So if you are excited about the potential at working at the organization alongside myself, then we'd love to hear from you. You can send a cover letter and a resume to Ian Doak at the email I-D-O-A-K at highfiveadventure.org that's h-i-g-h the number five adventure.org you can also find more details on all of the hirings that we have available at high five on our website highfiveadventure.org go to the about us tab and you'll see a section that says joining the high five team all right back to the episode The third thing I've got is creating 
a psychologically safe learning environment. Now, I'm going to go into more detail. I'm actually interviewing someone in a future episode where we'll go into much more detail on this topic. Anyone who's ever skied before knows that when you turn up the mountain, there's a lot of activity. When I look at all these very skilled, hundreds of skilled people, it is incredibly intimidating. It's not really that conducive to a great learning environment where I'm going to feel okay. Because my ego took a big hit seeing all of these incredibly skilled people. When you're inviting training people into a training environment and you're bringing participants into a climbing environment, how are you setting up the environment to make people feel psychologically in a safe space, able to act, uh, advocate for themselves? There is another episode out there already that's called First Impressions. And so I encourage you to listen to that one because it talks about this in some way as it relates to bringing clients to a challenge course for the first time and what might the first impressions be. The last point I'm going to make is an absolute pet peeve of mine. And I see it a lot. I experienced it a lot when I was learning. And it is people using the word just. Just do this. Just do that. Just. It's infuriating as a someone who's trying to learn to have someone say, just do this. Because for them, that thing is often very easy. It would be, once again, if I'm teaching people how to tie a knot, if I do it really quick and say, just do this. That doesn't help people learn. It certainly didn't help me learn when I couldn't tell what people were doing and they were saying, just do this. That's where experience is going to come into play, allowing people to try and practice and that patience. All of these things come into play. But if you find yourself in a training and you say the word just, catch yourself in the moment if you hear that word and try to think of another way to describe what you're doing. Break it into its parts because that word, when you hear it as a learner, is not a helpful word to hear. It's like when people are climbing, just put your foot on that staple, just put your foot on that hole, just reach up above you. The just implies it's super easy to do, and that person in the moment is not finding that experience easy. So be really clear and detailed. Say where you want them to put their left hand and in what way, and describe the action in a bit more detail. But the word just is not helpful. So anyway, those are the four things. Patience, detail, environment, and that word just. Those were some takeaways from my experience recently. I wanted to capture this because I had a very recent experience and I was whole drive home. I was thinking about how that environment didn't really set me up in the greatest way for learning. And so there's a big difference between your friends giving you advice and then a really trained instructor. And that, well, that would be the other thing I would have. I didn't pay for this guy to help me, but that experience certainly had for me a moment where I was like, I understand the value of paying for training. And so as a trainer, sometimes we have to describe this kind of value proposition to our clients. But the value is often in that trainer is very skilled at being able to teach skills that are really, really helpful. If you're in need of some training in whatever it is, if you have it, please budget for the dollar amount to go out and get some professional training because it certainly pays off in the end. Anyway, thanks for listening to my rambling here about skiing. If you have a story that's anywhere similar, feel free to message me on Instagram at Vertical Playpen. And please continue to support the podcast by sharing it with people that you know who you think would find this valuable. 
It really does help us out. Go on to Spotify, go on to Apple, do the rating, do the reviewing. It really does help. I mean it. And uh, thanks for listening once again. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for getting. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>